Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Man, I, I've got to tell you, um, we set up a separate Facebook Messenger group for folks who were baptized to share what God had done in their life in the last week. And uh, you need to ask one of those people because God's doing some amazing, amazing thing. Because the promise of the kingdom is fruit that remains. Anybody here had instant change and instant regression? And you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody here had an incredible moment and then... Nobody? Can we be... I'm obviously in the wrong group. I don't know where the honest people went. Okay, no. The thing is, is... Let me, let me just say this. If it has to be done to you, it has to keep being done to you so you can be changed. But if you are partnering with Holy Spirit, you can continue to walk that out. Okay, let me say it. Let me say it again. We, anybody here uh, was uh, exposed to what I call the man of God of power for the hour? Like, I, if I can just get close and he can zap me. Whatever he's got, get me, Jesus. And now I've got to become his stalker. Because the only way I'm going to stay changed is if I can just touch him. Just touch the hem of his garment. That's Jesus' hem, not his hem. I don't, I don't have a hem, by the way. Um, I'm hemless. Um, what I want to say is that we come together for a, a moment, for an hour each week to be encouraged. But we walk with him the rest of the time. And that's not a downgrade. It's time that we return our expectation to the standard of the gospel, which is transformation, supernatural living, and fruit that remains. The reason why that's so important is anybody found that legalism won't get that done? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, "Mm." and like I always say is like, you can keep it up for a little bit and then start running down. So you start reallocating resources from the internal to the external, keeping up appearances. You know what I mean? Anybody found though that also, who, who here, you tried to be changed by emotionalism? If I can just stay up long enough. <laughs> if there's enough coffee and monster, I'll be, I'll be able to stay up with Jesus. And you find that the emotion wears down at 5.30 in the morning, right? The thing about the gospel is God tells us what he promises and then it's him who does it in us. And so we constantly have to hold the standard of the gospel of what he promises, not to shame us, but to remind us when we don't have it, that we're living from a different source. So we're going to keep going in Colossians today. If you've got, we're going to finish chapter two by faith. In Jesus name right there. We call those things as not as though they were. Awesome. Let's jump on. We're, uh, we're at verse 16 in chapter two. Paul says, therefore, do not let anybody judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Anybody confused? 
Does it feel like he took a left turn at Albuquerque? Well, what was the first word we started with? What does therefore mean? It's there for something. How can I know what it's there for? Go backwards. Boys and girls, we got to stop acting like we are all spiritual. And we all have a full understanding. So, what is it there for? So let's back up. Let's go back to verse 13, all right? When you were dead in your sins. Now, how capable is a dead person provided they're not a zombie? Not very, well. not very capable. Anybody here have had, they had, had that experience of being dead in your sins? Sins is falling short. Anybody come to the point where you are falling short and you're falling short and you're falling shortness? Like you're so falling short, you can't even figure out how far you've fallen short. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like literally, like it, it, it is the image of this. Have you ever seen this? Like somebody falls out of an airplane and they're like swinging their arms. Like what is that going to do? Do you know what I'm talking about? They're like, yeah! like <laughs> you might as well lean back and enjoy the ride because nothing you're doing is helping or hurting at this point. It's over. The, the reality is he said at the point when you were helpless and even knew how helpless you were. That's anybody been in the despair where you actually recognized how helpless you were. And so you were helpless in your helplessness. Nobody else. You're in the wrong place. Listen, if you have not been to the place where you're helpless in your helplessness, you haven't yet found the gospel. Do I poke it? Gird yourself up like a man. I'm going to submit to you, you have yet to unpack the true gospel if you have not come to the end of yourself. Amen. Most of us at some point or another were taught what I like to call the Jesus Plus program. Where I add a little bit of Jesus in my life, right? I need a little bit more, add a, like it's not really working. So if we could, anybody, um, you've had a flat tire and you use those, um, one of those cans of uh, foam that you shoot into the tire and makes your, uh, your tire guy want to kill you? Do you know what I'm talking? Yeah. What is it? Fix a flat. Yeah. So this is the way a lot of people use the gospel as a fix a flat. We don't actually change the tire. <laughs> Some of my tire guys are like, <laughs> and then we just put glue. So now the old tire is glued. The broken tire is glued to the wheel. The gospel is his work from beginning to end. And it only begins when our work ends. And so if you have yet to come to the point of despair in your despair, hopelessness in your hopelessness, I've got good news. There's time. You'll get there. Because our efforts do, all our efforts do is disempower his efforts in us. All of our efforts are leaning on our own understanding, leaning on our efforts actually disempower our ability to lean upon him. But how can I know if it's my efforts or not? Well, we know what the fruit of the spirit is, right? What's the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience. You can look it up. Galatians 5. Now, I will just say the first three or four usually are enough to convict me. 
right? You know what I'm talking about? We're like, love. Yeah, I think I got some love. I love ice cream. <laughs> joy. Joy. Almond joy? Yeah, right? Peace. Cigarettes? <laughs> right? No. Anybody know what it? The thing is, is if I don't have what he promised, then I'm doing it on my own. And the quicker I recognize that, the quicker I'm going to get back to what he promised. Having been dead in your sins at the point when you could do absolutely nothing in the uncircumcision of your flesh. We talked about that. You can listen to it the other time. God made you alive in Christ. Who made you alive? How much help did you give God? That's very important. God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all your sins. How many? What about the ones I haven't yet managed to figure out to do? Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Anybody here felt guilty and shamed? No? I'm really in the wrong place today. Guilt and shame means I am bad and I must hide. And what does he say? All of that has been canceled in him which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The powers and the authorities are anything that I submit to to get my needs met in my life. So therefore... Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to the religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Verse 17. These are a shadow of the things which are to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Okay. I, I mentioned this at, far at the beginning. The whole point of the book of Colossians was... Paul preached the gospel to a bunch of bozos who were dumb enough to believe it and watch it manifest in their lives. Now I say bozos because the gospel is foolishness. Has anybody figured that out yet? It's foolish. Well, if you're going to live, you got to die. Oh, no, no, no. You can't do anything. He's got to do it all through you. Then what am I doing? Well, he's powering you to do. Wait, I thought you said I'm not supposed to do. The gospel is unintelligible to the intelligent human mind. Only the desperate and the hopeless discover how true it is. By putting, and so he's, he's, these people have received the gospel. They've been transformed. They're walking in newness of life. And then some people come in and say, welcome, welcome, welcome. I see you've successfully completed level one. <laughs> and the people, as far as we can tell from the evidence inside this passage, inside this book, but specifically, most clearly in this portion we're looking at today, were a group called the Essenes. These are the people who did, wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so my history buffs, you're going to love me for a minute. Everybody else can take a break. <laughs> so what happened is, you guys remember, the Israelites, they were brought out of Egypt. They came into the land of promise. King David, everything's wonderful. They walk away from God. God said, if you walk away from me, you're not going to be able to stay in the land of promise. Because the land of promise is a place that only God can keep you in. If you walk away from him, he can't keep you in. Anybody here lost some of the blessing of your life because you, you walked away from God and did it on your own, right? And so it's not that he didn't have to kick them out of the land of promise. They actually invited the very invaders who took them out. They invited the Assyrians and the Babylonians. 
They partnered with them. And then the Assyrians and Babylonians said, not a problem. We will take that partnership and take you out of the land. God didn't... We've got to stop blaming God for the things that happened in our lives because of our choices. God is judging you. No, that's you. That's you. That's me. Can we just be honest? God hates me. No, he loves you or you'd be dead. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've like rolled the dice enough times. Come on, seven, come 11. You know, and I'm like, like, okay, I got to tell you, I was going through a very bad point in my life. And uh, as a result, I had a little bit of a, let's just say it, angst. And uh, the way angst manifested, I, I averaged over 100 miles an hour on the highway everywhere I drove. Seven, come on, seven, seven, come I got pulled over by a cop. It's the judgment of Jesus. No, that's Jesus keeping me alive. I, God gets blamed for so much stuff that we do. Say lot. Anyway, so they, get, they go into exile into Babylon 70 years later because God's good. He brings them back. They come back. Everything's awesome. But they are still, they're, they're, they're going along. But right about, about 100 years after all that goes down is a guy by the name of Alexander the Great arises. And he takes over the entire known world and then dies very quickly. It was about a 10-year period. He's like, ah, I'm, I'm ruler of all things. Anyway, and he dies, and they divide up his empire into three parts. His three generals say, hey, I'll take a third. I don't need the whole world. I'll just take a third of the world. And the guy who got this established an empire called the Seleucid Empire based out of a city called Antioch. We see it later in the New Testament. And so this is Israel right here. We've got Sea of Galilee, Dead Sea. We've got Jerusalem down here. And this area is under control of the Seleucid Empire, which is very Greek. And they're all into, the Greeks are always into secrets and deep knowledge. Anyway, and they're, they're trying to dominate and control this. And in the process, up to, from the time of Aaron, the high priest, there has been a continuous line of high priests from the line of Aaron called the Zadokite uh, priesthood. These are all priests in the line of Aaron. And so um, he had a son named Zadok who, uh, his grandson was Zadok. Anyway, so that what happens is the rulers in Antioch are trying to control them, trying to make them Greeks. And the process is they get rid of the uh, Zadokite high priest. In, this is when the Maccabees, for those of you who follow along on that kind of stuff, rise up. They kick them out. And in the process, they are established a new priesthood that's not in the priesthood of Zadokite. It is under a guy by the name of Jonathan. But here's what's interesting. Right before Jonathan is made high priest, there's a gap of seven years where there's no high priest. What we, feel, what we see, what the historians feel is there was a high priest by the name of Judah and the authorities took him hostage, tortured him, and eventually kicked him out when Jonathan became the high priest. And he went out into the desert over here by the Dead Sea and established a community, the community of the Essenes. This is about 150 BC. He was tortured and he says this interesting thing. He said, I got to the point where I didn't care about you or anybody else. I just wanted to die. But then I suddenly transformed over to becoming a child of the light. Wow. 
and enter some deeply spiritual language. I'm getting somewhere for those of you who are like, I did not, I, I graduated from high school, so I'd never have to do this again. Um, what happens is he establishes a community, and this community was known for several things. One was, it was known for um, uh, communal living. Now, um, I've said this before, the Sadducees are obsessed with, with tricks and getting it right. The Pharisees are convinced with being right. The Essenes do both on crack. This is what we call hyper-spirituality. I'm going to put it in another way. It's a worldview built out of fear and trauma. Now, I'm going to talk about a bunch of their worldview things, and you're going to recognize some of the people you're sitting next to. Keep your hands to yourself. I am not going to talk about anything in the present tense, or I'll walk in judgment and accusation. I'm going to talk about the Essenes. If God puts his finger on something in your heart, let him have his way. Worry about yourself. Don't get distracted by, oh, this is for you, Margaret. He's talking about you, Henry. Keep, okay, you tracking with me? Because every one of us have belief systems that we have built out of fear and trauma. What does he do? The first thing is they want to check out of society. They want to check. Jesus said, be in the world, not of it. They are of the world, not in it. They are of the world's thinking, a world of fear, a world of, of they're, they're very much into the secrets, all of this stuff. They're not in the simplicity. They're into super complex things. And, but they're not even in it. They separate themselves. Now, if you have been part of an intentional community, as I have, you will know something. It solves nothing. It's the same thing. Have you ever, it's really funny. What, in many Christian uh, um, uh uh, traditions, they have this concept of hermits. To become more like God, they go out in the wilderness by themselves. Anybody see a problem with that? You got rid of everybody that's a problem in your life except the one who's the biggest problem of all. Yeah? And, and so this is the thing. They separate themselves thinking, oh, we'll be fine. But what happens when you get on a smaller island? You can't hide. Anybody thought you'd get married and all your problems would go away from living in deep, intimate communion with someone? So. Right? This is what's happened is they've gone, they've hidden away from the world. They're hiding away from the world. And in that place, they do a couple things is they pass judgment on the world and they wait for the end to come. They're more interested in the end than God saving and delivering. They've disconnected from God's heart of love and now their goal is survival. In fact, that's how they believe, oh, I won't get into that. What, so they build these communities and the, and the thing about in, uh, intentional community is it takes a lot of rules to keep it safe. So they had a really fun rule. So they, um, the Pharisees came up, you guys remember this, that our Pharisees on the Sabbath day could only walk a thousand cubits on the Sabbath day or it became work. That's like 1,500 feet. They could only go 1,500 feet or it became work, right? Because they weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath and they're doing all this. Well, guess what? They also, there's in there somewhere that you're not supposed to poop inside the camp. You have to poop outside the camp. Mm -hmm. 
Well, how far is outside the camp? Well, the good news is the Essenes figured it out. Because they're all into the secrets. And they figured out it's about 2,000 feet outside the camp. Anybody see a problem? Even this part of your body shouldn't work on the Sabbath, apparently. So as a result, the highest feast among Jews is, is the Sabbath every week celebrating God's rest. But guess what? They couldn't even feast. Because religion takes all the joy out of everything. So they were all completely about keeping the feasts and they were keeping all the rules and they were doing everything there and they're trying to achieve um, not just to keep themselves right, but to achieve some sort of higher spiritual goals. And there were secrets and there were, there were um, you know, one of the, the signs was the Pharisees were trying to figure out what does the Bible say and, the, and what the Essenes were trying to figure out was what does it really say? Anytime somebody comes to you with the scripture and say, there are secrets. We talked about this at the beginning. Paul said, all the secrets and mysteries have been revealed. And I'm going to tell them to you now. What, what according to chapter one is the secret and mystery of all things? Christ in you, the hope of glory. What happens is this, is we externalize, we put somewhere out there, we make something hyper-spiritual, some hyper-spiritual uh, end goal that if you do just the right things, if you do this, you do that, then everything will work out. In the process, one another thing they did is they demonized the Pharisees. They demonized the Sadducees. They demonized the Herodians. They demonized the Greeks. They demonized the Romans. Anybody see a theme? Because another sign of the Essenes is they are afraid of everybody. They insulate themselves from everyone. They hide from everyone and they accuse and judge everyone. I've never been one, but I've heard about it. <laughs> I simply say this because right now in the water is this thing is being pumped out on crack. Fear, our reaction to fear is a bigger problem than fear itself. Our reaction, our allowing fear to dictate uh, how we respond is a bigger issue than fear itself. So let's get back into it and here, let's look at this. He says, don't let anybody judge you what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Because you've got a bunch of these Greeks who've never been Jews in their life. And their guys are like telling, well, if you want to know the deep secrets, you need to do these festivals. You need to, you need to keep all these things because the deep secrets. But what does he say about all these things? They are what? A shadow. Masha, could you come stand up here for a second? Right here. Okay. So if you guys see this, you see she has a shadow, right? Yeah. Wow. That's an amazing shadow. Wow. Wow. You know, I think, I think she's gray. Oh, wow. Um, I think she's kind of oblong. I can figure out a few things. Thank you, my love. Thank you. She's like, I don't want to be a shadow. Okay, can you imagine me kissing her shadow? Is that a little weird? Listen, the shadow will tell me a few things about her, 
but they will tell me nothing truly meaningful, except she's somewhere around here. <laughs> Why would I kiss the shadow when I have the substance? Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we externalize him, we've already lost him. When we make him out there, anybody felt like, like you've lost God? Today? This morning? 30 minutes ago? No, I mean, we all have this experience like, where did you go, Lord? Did he go anywhere? What can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? But it feels true, so it must be true. If I think something is true because it feels true and I try to solve it, what happens? I just confuse the issue. God, I don't feel you, but I know you're here. I can't sense you, but I know you're here. I feel like I've offended you, but you're not offendable. I feel like I've disappointed you, but you knew everything about me from the beginning. I, it's okay to admit our feelings, but we have to return to the truth or else we begin to externalize him and we begin to pursue shadows to resolve what isn't even a problem in the first place. How do I know this, Peter? Well, Peter, because I did it. I went further than all of y'all down every possible pipe that's imaginable. If you have a pipe, you're curious, where does this pipe put out? I can show you exactly the part of the cesspool of human effort that it puts you into. Oh yeah, yeah, so, so I've said this before, I think, but, but you know, I, I, um, I had tried to hear God's voice for myself and it led me to a very bad place because instead of listening to God, I was listening to my own desires. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God, is this the one for me? Or is she the one for me? Or is she the one for me? A, B, or C, you decide. I'm totally fine. I just want your will, Lord. Right? And, and in this place, I, I blamed God. God's like, I don't have anything to do with this. It took me eight years to come to the place where I could even hear him say, I had nothing to do with this. Because I was like, Jesus, why did you do this to me? And he's like, I can't actually answer that question. Anybody understand, right? Like, how can he say, uh, 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 anyway, and in this place, I wanted a God that would be safe, a God who they wheel out on wheels. So I joined the Orthodox church. It was really great because they actually literally wheel, bring out Jesus, the bread and the wine at a certain time. And they bring him back in. Everything's on a, on a schedule. You can count on it. You can set your clock when Jesus will show up. It was great, but it wasn't enough. So I did more. I did more. I did, I had to, I, I did the prayers. I got incense. I put it in an altar. I got the icons. I was like more, 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 more. Cause eventually it's going to pay off. So I went for Easter. Now you got to understand Easter, Pascha is the height. It's all of it. So start, it starts on Monday, Thursday, which by the way, I have a great song. Never mind. I'm moving on. It was a long service. I came up with great songs. Anyway, we go through this whole thing. From Monday, Thursday to Sunday morning, would you like to know how many hours of services I did? You're wrong. 38 hours. When I tell you I have gone down the pike on that slip and slide all the way to the bottom, I can tell you I've been there. You want to talk Jewish feasts? 
You want to talk? Uh, listen, boys and girls, I am more messed up than you. You can't play at my circus. Listen, the lie is just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. You'll get the secrets just a little bit more. You'll feel closer to him just a little bit more. You'll figure it out. If you dance on your left foot, then the glory will come. I don't know, but it's, it's always another secret. It's just another thing. But we're trying to resolve one of two things. There's something messed up in our life and we can't get God to deal with it. So we've got to help him. Or we feel separation and we're trying to overcome it. But in fact, when we attempt to overcome separation by our own effort, we actually have stepped out of grace and entered back into what works, the flesh. Moving on. Do not let anyone, how many? Nobody, nobody, nobody. Don't let nobody who delights in false humility. You know what false humility is? I'm a worm and not a man. I am, yes, I'm pathetic. I, I had this conversation with Jesus the other day. I said I was, um, I was evaluating myself. Anybody here? Like you were giving yourself an annual review, you know, you know full you know, performance review. And, uh, and I was not pleased with the results. And uh, so I pulled myself in on the carpet and I proceeded to provide myself with some adequate feedback on my performance. And I, listen, Jesus is loving and kind unless you mess with his kids. And I swear he spoke more sternly to me than almost any time. He grabbed me by the nape of the neck in love and said, you don't get to tell me how you're doing. You don't get to tell me what I think about you. I was like, I don't. He said, Peter, and he proceeded to walk me through. He said, you know, he, he, he backed it up. He said, Peter, you're evaluating yourself. If 100 is good, you're at five and you're bummed. He said, but the reality is you've been facing minus 100 difficulties in your life. And I'm super pleased with how you're doing. Family celebrates progress. But do you know when... I am disappointed with me. I think he's disappointed with me. Then I've got to solve me before I can come back to him. Anybody see a problem? See, false humility is allowing what you say or what I say trump what he says. Nobody? Nobody knows what I'm talking about? Anybody? Do you know what I'm talking about? I reserve the right to evaluate me. I reserve the right to evaluate you too, by the way, just so you know. I, <laughs> I'm equal opportunity. But if I am saying something he's not saying, that's false humility. It's depending on human knowledge and human wisdom. Such a person goes into great detail about what they've seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual fleshly mind. I, uh, I had a conversation with someone. They're not here. They're not here. They haven't been here a long time. They're probably not even online. I had a conversation with someone. We've seen so much healing in our body. It's wonderful. But this person said to me, they said, well, I was listening to a guy and he went to pray for healing for his, his back. And God said, don't pray. How do you know? I, he said, I gave that to you. And I said, 
Um, but the scripture says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But Jesus said the thief came to steal and destroy. Jesus healed all those who came to him. She said, yeah, but this guy's a prophet. If you use your experience to nullify the word of God, Jesus actually had a, had a thing for this. He said, you Pharisees use your traditions of men to nullify the word of God. And therefore you search the scriptures to, to find out, you know, that you may have eternal life, that you might know who the, who the, the Messiah is and the Messiah is standing in front of him and you can't see him. The Pharisees were looking for all the secrets and they lost the plot. If we allow our experiences to trump scripture, we've lost the plot. If we allow somebody else's experience to trump scripture, we've just been duped, 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 duped. We, this is why we are in the word. This is why we're in the word, not because we're trying to find secrets and tricks, but because we, he is the word of God. We are allowing him to speak into our lives and to transform us. If you have to have a PhD to encounter Jesus in the scripture, if that's what you're being taught, that's also not it. Because he said, unless you become as a little child. If people are impressing you with how smart they are, don't listen. I'm serious. I'm, I'm, hard, I'm, I'm including me. I'm including me. If, I'm, if I impress you with my smarts, you've missed Jesus probably in the thread. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments, sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. So I have a question. How can I tell if a light is unplugged? This is not complicated. Some of you are like, this is a trick question. It's dark. If you don't have the light of the spirit in you, if you don't have the fruit of the spirit in you, when somebody's speaking to you, that may mean they're unplugged. Doesn't mean they're bad. It simply means they may be unplugged. Okay. It's not a reason to go to judgment. Just pray for him. Pray for me, for heaven's sakes. He said, but listen what happens. He said, if we're plugged in, what happens? It grows as God causes it to grow. How are we supposed to grow? By our own effort? No. He said, remain in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. That's the whole point. Stay. Jesus, when we realize we're not experiencing his goodness and love, just go, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, cry out to him. He's good. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of the world, all the tricks and the techniques and the philosophies, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Even if it involves COVID and vaccines. These rules, which have to do with, these th with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human teachings and, and, and commands. And I would say based in fear. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Because the other thing that we go to God, anybody here had a problem with sensual indulgence? Nobody? 
Three of us? Four of us? I'll wait. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Sensual indulgence is simply this. You can't tell you no. Anybody found that, found that place? You can't tell you no. You know what you know, and you know you should not know what you know, and you should say no to what you know, but you still do it, <laughs> right? Okay, anybody signed up for hypnotherapy? Anybody signed up, you know, like did, done the, the thing with, uh, what is it, the, the rubber band on the wrist, or, you know, you, you joined an accountability group rooted in shame and abuse? No? no nobody? Uh, <laughs> Why? Because these are all external forms to modify an, an internal reality. See, external sin is not the issue. Jesus said, it's, everything starts in the heart. Who's in my heart? If our hearts condemn us, we have one who is greater than our hearts. The issue is that every time we're trying to externally modify something, we've already lost the thread. Jesus? I, I, man, I can't tell you the number of times where I'm struggling with something and I'm trying to deal with it and it's not working and they're like, ah, Jesus. And he thought, I, I wondered when you'd call. And he said, why am I doing this? I wondered why, when you'd ask. He knows, doesn't he? He knows why we do what we do. He's in our hearts. He will walk us through. He will show us and he will. But it starts with this idea that our sin can't separate us from Jesus. Why? Because he took his sin, our sin upon himself. So he's right there in the middle of our sin. He's not offended. How could he be? He took it all on himself. He's not shocked, is he? Because he knows all. Oh my gosh, Peter, I couldn't believe you would do that. Oh wait, I did know that you'd do that. But he wants to take it from us. That's why, what is the last fruit of the Spirit? Self-control. And it's funny thing about self-control, it's not even self-control, it's spirit control. It's my ability to say yes to Jesus. But as soon as I step out of that place and try to self-control by myself, it's called the white-knuckled living. Anybody tried it? <laughs> it only works for a while and then you start killing people. I am fine. I do not need a cigarette. I just need to kill somebody and I'll be fine, right? Nobody, that's not the promise of the kingdom. The promise of the kingdom is life abundantly flowing in and through us. And so what is the end? Here's, we, here's where we end. I told you we'd finish chapter two. Chapter three, verse one. Since then you have been raised with Christ. You were dead, you were raised. Who did it? Him, he did it. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. Not on earthly things, not on things that are shadows, but on Him. Set your heart on things above where Christ is. In other words, set your mind on Him. Where He's seated at the right hand of the Father, where He has already triumphed over every single problem you and I will face. I have a question. Is God impressed with the Taliban? Five of us. Awesome. Who is God impressed with Biden? No. Is God impressed with Trump? No. Is God impressed with anything other than himself? <laughs> He's not even impressed in my ability to be stupid. He, this is what, anytime I'm looking at something and I'm impressed and it creates fear, 
It creates, it creates anxiety. It's because I've lost sight of him. And I'm talking to myself. I don't, I'm sorry you guys have to be present. I'm serious. I've been walking this out in my life because the Lord highlighted in me deep anxiety this week. And I had to go, Jesus, where's this coming from? And he showed me areas which I took back under my control. Anybody done this? God takes care of an area in your life and you're like, great. Okay, I'll take it from here, Lord. No. As we were saved, as we came to know him, so we walk. We walk out of newness of life. Come on. So as you were talking, I just feel like the Lord has been highlighting this whole thing of the lie of separation, right? Because all of that, climbing into heaven and all of the tricks and all of the stuff comes from this belief that he's somehow separate from me, right? That I somehow have to do something to get there. That I have to, you know, and that he's not right here as present to me as he's ever going to be. So I just want to do this little activation with us. Let's just all close our eyes. And just say, Jesus. Jesus. I repent for believing a lie. I repent for believing a lie. That you and I. That you and I. Are separate. Are separate. Show me an area of my life. Show me an area of my life. Where I believe this. Where I believe this. Where I'm not aware of your presence. Where I'm not aware of your presence. And just as he is showing you areas, as he is showing you stuff, just start repenting for it. Just say, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I have believed and felt that you are not in the midst of this area or that area, that you are not with me when I'm at work, that you are not flowing through me when I'm doing laundry. <laughs> Jesus, that you are not as um, overwhelmingly close to me when I am um, facing a conflict. I feel like also that you don't care. Mm -hmm. That what matters to me doesn't matter to you in the same way. So Jesus, I repent for believing that lie that you and I are separate in any area of my life. In any area of me. Jesus. And I receive the truth. And just start receiving it. That you are as close to me, as, close to me. As, my as my breath. That every breath I breathe in and breathe out, you are in it. Mm, and just start breathing in and out. And just start experiencing him. Jesus, for, I, just, I repent for any lie that for me to experience you, I need to go through all of these different hula hoops, that I need the right music, the right words, the right atmosphere. Jesus, I receive the truth that you are constantly, constantly, constantly speaking to me that you never stop, that all the good, spontaneous thoughts in my head are actually you speaking to me. And I just start choosing to believe you, Jesus. I choose to believe you, Jesus. 
I really feel like there's a lie that some of us believe that I can't experience you, God. God, he's the God of the universe. <laughs> he can overcome our inability. Uh, Lord, I repent for the belief that I can't hear you. He's the word. He can speak in ways that we can hear him. Jesus. I also feel like for some of us, we just have this belief system that as long as this one behavior is in our lives, we cannot feel God, we cannot experience him. And I just want to submit to you that the truth is that him coming into that area of your life is good. It's what's going to bring freedom to where you haven't been able to experience freedom. So just invite him mm-hmm. into this one area where you felt like you would never go, that yeah. he's just too ashamed to even yeah. touch. Uh, I also feel like there's some of us here, you feel that because you were delivered before, but returned yeah. to that area, that... Mm-hmm that somehow means you're on your own. But he was the one who saved you the first time from it. He hasn't changed. He's still good. So if you want to just just pray this with me, Jesus, I invite you into every corner of my life. Jesus, I just invite you into every corner of my life. I invite you to be Lord. I invite you to be Lord of every portion over every of my portion life. Of my life. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus, that you are invading you, every Jesus, part of my life right now. That you are just flowing. That your life is flowing through every area. He showed me this picture this, this week for myself. He said, Masha, you're like that Garden of Eden with the tree of life in the middle. And that's each one of us. We are that Garden of Eden with the tree of life in the middle of us. And the rivers of living water, the four rivers, are flowing from that tree of life. Come on. And they're carrying life into every area of, of us, hmm. into everything we touch. Come on. I also feel like it'd just be really good is each of us have little techniques, tricks, religious things we do because we believe in separation, because we believed we had to overcome something. So Lord, I repent for those things. I repent for partnering with fear and with the lie of lack and the lie of separation. And I I repent. In you, I have all things. (sighs) Through knowing you, I have everything I need for life and godliness. I am, there is no separation. Nothing can separate me from your love. And so I renounce all the things that I've done, said, taught others to do. Lord, I repent. And I ask you, Lord, show me yourself. Show me your goodness. Show me your love. Allow me to experience your fruit, the fruit of your spirit right now in Jesus' name. Amen. If we could have the worship team come up. Listen, if, if you came away from this with shame, that's the enemy speaking. The goal is simply that we repent. We turn from those things that are not life, those things that are not what he has, that we would turn back to him. The amazing thing about the gospel is it's either true or it's not. It's either him or it's not. You can't fake God showing up. You can't fake God bringing the fruit of the spirit on the inside. All these other you can fake but you can't fake him 
And so in this place, we just simply say, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way in us. If we could stand. Father, I just, we, we, we are here as soggy offerings on the altar. We say, Father, we repent from our own works and we say, have your way. Let your fire fall on us today. Amen.